do whatever he tells you. It's instructions of Mary to the to the uh, the waiters at the wedding. You know, John's gospel is um, is one of these gospels that's rich. It's not like the other four gospels at all. It's a completely different genre of gospel. It's got rich in symbolism uh, and rich in, in layered meanings, a double, like irony and sometimes even double irony. And um, in John's gospel, the miracles are not called miracles. They are called signs. And for the entire of the gospel of John, there are only seven seven signs. And today's one is the first of the seven signs. Now, again, just even seven is a reminder of it, it itself is a symbol, uh, because seven in Roman numerology, seven was the perfect number because uh, three was the divine number, four was the, the earthly number, heaven and earth together made seven, so it was the, the whole number. Um, and so seven signs is a, another way of saying it was all the signs necessary, it's the perfect amount of signs. Well, well, signs uh, point to something, and symbols represent something. So we, we've got to um, really to get to the meaning of this gospel. We've got to break it open a little bit and, and, and unlayer un- it, if you would, to, to find out what's really going on. So let me just bear with me just for this, bit, this first part so we can get to the, reach, the rich, deep meaning that's going on here. So first of all, uh, so you'll notice, and it talks about a wedding feast, but we don't know who it is, bride or bridegroom. I don't know about you. you we generally don't talk about weddings without talking about whose wedding it was. I mean, so the fact that it's a wedding without the name immediately gives us a clue that it's symbolic, that it's not about the wedding. It's about what it's representing, right? So the symbolism, and of course, we're not, we don't have the same Jewish ears to hear the way this would appear. Uh, the first reading gives us a clue here. Because ancient uh, Israelite time, it was, uh, the marriage was a symbol of the relationship between God and his people. So God and Israel. And we heard that in the first reading. He calls uh, to the prophet Isaiah, we hear him call uh, the Israelite the espoused. That the, they are the espoused and they are a delight to God. And so this should remind her this, mar- this wedding is about God's relationship with his people. Okay, so that's the first thing that we're meant to immediately recognize that that's what this is about. So now the second thing is the wine. Wine equals joy. Now, I mean, I know that may be true. In reality, a little bit extra wine, you get a little bit joyful. But, but joy, in the biblical representation, right, is wine equals joy. So when Mary says there is no more wine, or we're running short of wine, she's saying is that the relationship between God and his people is running out of joy. And, and so Jesus immediately at first recognized, well, what's that concern about the wine? Because he was thinking at that first level. And then when she turned around, he said, oh, oh, yeah, symbolism. That's right. And then he buys into it. And then what does he do? The next part is the, the abundance of wine. So let's talk about what happens. So, so six, let's just do the numbers here for a second. Six jars are 20 to 30 gallons of wine. So like, uh, just to be clear, that's between 120 to 180 gallons of wine. 
Now, just to put that in bottle terms for us who are, you know, we're thinking of those bottles, that's between 600 and 800 bottles of wine. Now, I don't know about you, but that will bring a lot of joy. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of wine, right? I mean, even like, even if there's 300 guests, that's still two to three bottles per person after they've had the wine. I mean, this is at the end of the party. I mean, can you imagine if we were at a, a dinner for 10 and I came in and I said, oh, I just got a little extra wine and brought out two cases of wine. And, you, and it was the best wine. You'd be like, whoa, that's great. So the idea here is, the symbolism, is that it's an abundance. It's outrageous abundance amount of joy that God gives to us, right? And, and, and that's what he wants to share with us. And this comes to us in and through Jesus. This is Jesus Right, uh, announcing his ministry to the world, that he comes to bring joy to the world, and that the people are, are, are we now, or the people are espoused. We are the church. We are the bride. He is the bridegroom, and we are called to commit to this relationship. So that's the theology of our so, I mean, it's really rich. If we miss it, like we just get focused on the surface of it, we're not really getting down to the, the depth of where uh, John the evangelist wants us to get. So that's all great. So, so what does that mean for us? Like, okay, that's great. What is, how does it apply to us? Well, so here's the part that we're called. We're called and and, and the, the key to this is the second reading, okay? So, so the question is, we're called to, to be joy-filled in this relationship with God and with relationship with Jesus. Uh, but how can we be joy-filled if we... See, the precursor to joy-filled is to be grateful-filled. So to be, that, we're, that we're going to be grateful for all that we have. And, and we can't be grateful unless we can feel the love that God has for us. And so it comes back to here, and that's what this second reading from Paul's letter to the, the Corinthians comes in. And, and he says to us that God showers us with gifts. Right? So again, it goes back to this abundance of gifts, that all are given gifts. Now remember that the Corinth community was a secular community, a non-Christian environment. Probably not terribly, I and mean, we're probably more religious environment than even they were. But we often um, see ourselves as the gifts that we have are just for us. And what Paul says, no, the gifts aren't just for you. They're for the whole. They're for the whole community and beyond. Beyond just the religious community, but for the whole community. And, and so he goes through a whole list of gifts that people have. So, so to put that into our clothes, so for example, uh, Tamami playing on the piano, that gift of her piano playing is not given for her, it's given to her for the sake not just of us, for the whole community beyond St. Simon's. And for the children's voices who can sing, those gifts aren't given to you, kids, they're given to you for all the benefit of us. So if you guys just all played in a room on your own or sung in your room, there'd be no benefit to anyone. But when you sing with us and we hear it, then the joy in our heart is that we share in that joy. So, so being grateful is recognizing the gifts that we have and using those gifts for the gift, for, for the gift of others. Now, now, look, we all have different gifts. Like, but here's the part that we need to hear what Paul has to say, and it's really, really important. Is there's every single one of us has been given gifts. There's nobody who is not given gifts. Now, I know some of you may say, I'm too young or I'm too old. I haven't, you know, like, I, I, I haven't discovered my gift. Now, look, you have a gift. You may be late in discovering it, but you have a gift. Whether it's a gift of, of, 
some just a listening heart. I mean, wow, today we need people who are willing to listen. We've got lots of talking, not a lot of listening going on. Uh, maybe you have the gift of just a simple being able to smile and let people laugh. I mean, what a gift that is, is to be able to uh, laughter. Don't we need a little bit more laughter and joy in, in our world? And there are a multitude of gifts. But we need to stop and pray and find out what are these gifts that God has given me for the good of all. And then we're called to share because that sharing of it is where the joy comes alive. So let me give you another example. Let, let me put it a different way. You've heard of a group called Doctors Without Borders, have you? You're familiar with that group. Like they're, they're doctors who give up their time, and they go across borders, literally international borders, to reach out to people in far-flung countries, often torn by religious strife or war or all sorts of other stuff. And they deliver their gifts of medicine and surgeries often to do work in these places. And so the obvious benefit is that those people are brought healing gifts that they would never get access to in America. Well, there's another group called Magicians Without Borders. And you think, so? Oh, that's a strange group. Well, what would they do? Well, guess what they do? Is they go into refugee camps, and they do magician, magician's work, right? They do magic. And you say, well, how is that like a, a gift? Well, think of, like, they quote, their motto is that of the great Houdini. And they say, to make the impossible possible. And to give people hope. Now, if you're sitting in a refugee camp for months without end, or sometimes even years without end, it must seem impossible that you will ever see freedom. So you can see the gift of what they do is just simply magic. And making those kids and those people have the idea that the impossible is possible. It's not magic we do on Sunday Mass when we gather, but what we do is we talk about the impossible made possible, that we become what we receive. We become the body and blood of Christ for others. We become only that when we are willing to do what we do here in our lives. We go out and we share what gifts we have, first of all, to discover what those gifts are and to not to not shrink from them, but then share them with others so that their joy can be complete. That's how this gospel comes alive today. So, so when we hear about this wedding feast at Cana, and it sounds wonderful, a wedding feast, but it's all about the relationship between God and us, His people, and how we have been gifted, and we are called to be grateful and full of joy, and we're called to share what we have with others. So we, when Mary says to the, the servers, do whatever he tells you, she's saying that to us. Doing whatever the Lord tells us to do. Use your gifts for the greater good of the community. And today, let our joy increase because it is abundant. God has blessed us and we are called to shower those beyond borders, beyond our neighborhoods, beyond our families, and to share our gifts with all we meet.